BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I'm ready. Start the theme. Oh, yeah. So tonight we got them, Goldie the Sulk and JC. And it starts right now. So welcome oh. back to another episode of a typical disgusting display. Yemen's most popular podcast, a podcast for writers by writers who hate writing. And we're going to talk to Matt Goldich, writer, comedian today. We're excited. He writes for Seth Meyers, our our buddy. So we're going to yes. get into it with him because I think we have a lot of common experiences. Um, Goldie, you had something you wanted to share with us this morning. Yeah. So have either of you ever had a, a good night's sleep? <laughs> no. Okay, never. I've never had one. Just I have. I've never I, woken a... up and just said like that was enough. I I've... feel great. I'm never. ready to start. Never once. Okay, never. put that to the side. Okay, I have never had a good dream in my life. <laughs> First joke of the day. Not once. First joke of the day. <laughs> a good never dream. once. People say sweet dreams <laughs> i have never had a sweet dream i've never oh had a God. wet dream i've never gotten to a jack i've had a dream that i was gonna have sex and didn't have a condom and then it couldn't happen that's a dream i had so i just want to talk for a second about in the last two weeks the yeah. dreams i have had because i like i I don't basically you go to sleep at night and then you kind of safely go insane. So here yeah. are my dreams that yes. I have had in the last two weeks. And again, people say sweet dreams. First, a guy pissed on my face. That was a dream. Someone just pissed on my Whoa. face. Like I was waiting in line and then they turned around. They pissed on my face. And I was I was like, oh, that's kind of a wet dream. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Very, very good. Very good. Sec second dream is that w there was a work event. It wasn't work. And um, I had to take that. a shit. There was no <laughs> toilet. And so I had to, while everyone was kind of close proximity, go to a separate room and quietly shit in a pink paper bag. <laughs> that wow, was a dream so I had. symbolism here. That oh, I, wow. Okay. <laughs> so so then I wait, you know, and then you wake up and you just go, oh, thank God that wasn't real. Or like, did that happen? And that's why I dreamed about it. So then oh another dream I had, I go, OK, I want to have a good dream. Uh, I accidentally left the water on in my garage. I caught it and I turned off and there was like an inch of water. And then I, I used a broom to push the water out in the street. Someone died in the flood. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, in the wow. What? Like, I'm not flying. <laughs> I'm not, like, meeting angels and mythical creatures. I'm not, like, winning an NBA championship. <laughs> I'm not having a friendly encounter with aliens. I'm not seeing dead relatives who are saying comforting things to me. Right. I'm getting fucking pissed on 
<laughs> shitting at work <laughs> in pink and bags. accidentally murdering people. What is fucking happening? Oh God. Well, Goldie, I have a couple. Well, first of all, it sounds like you because of your not great sleep. Like sometimes when I have a bad dream and you wake up, it's a great feeling because you realize, oh, thank fucking God that was a dream. And I'm not actually like face to face with some horrible ex or something. Sure. Um, But but that's like surgery going well. Like it would be better to not have needed it. True. True. But here's the thing. And I, I feel like I know the answer ahead of time. Have you ever taken or would you consider taking like a CBD gummy? Oh, for bed? oh, I've taken one. And so what? What? Why? How was that negative? Uh, so panicked when I woke up that I had to go on the roof and look at the moon. <laughs> <laughs> that was the effect, the calming effect of CBD yes, for you. Thought I was dying, didn't know how to breathe. <laughs> was asphyxiating like I was being strangled <laughs> oh and had to look at the moon God. for 45 minutes from the roof. Wow. Oh, do you see? Because I, I feel uh, blessed and I hate that word, nice. but I, uh, I, I take a gummy before bed and mm-hmm. also after lunch and before lunch and after breakfast, but <laughs> that, that's fine. Uh, but so I take one before bed and I don't remember my dreams and I have a great sleep. I'm out mm-hmm. for like eight hours and no. it, 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 it but feels- I think this is hereditary because my youngest kid for a while didn't want to go to bed because she said, I have none dreams or bad dreams. Oh, wow. yes. She's you. Yeah. I know. It sucks. Oh, I used God. to, I remember being like seven and just sobbing because I couldn't go to sleep, like waking up. And my mom's like, why are you crying? I'm like, because I can't sleep. Like I've never... Mm. Never no, had God, I, I feel sleep. so lucky that I've never really had problems with sleep. But the recurring nightmare that I had as a kid was even okay. Because my recurring nightmare, and my, my sister tells this, like that after we would watch The Muppet Show, which was like <laughs> the greatest thing going at that time. Totally. I would have this dream that wooden arms with white gloves would come out of the wall and tickle me. <laughs> while I was sleeping and like oh. my sister who is we shared a wall would say like I could hear you laughing in your sleep last night and I was like I had that I had that dream again but that was a terrible dream <laughs> that's as bad as it got for me what? the earliest dream Ever? I can remember was wow. do you remember the show TJ Hooker of yeah. course I've seen every episode okay I Whoa. I got in a car with TJ Hooker and then he <laughs> he took off his glasses which he didn't wear in the show and then the back of his glasses was a knife and he stabbed me in the stomach. Oh Jesus. My oh my God. That's awful. Yeah. And what's, what's even worse about that is it just so happens because I happen to be very into TJ Hooker. It's oh, a I terrible know. show. Um, but I just found out the other day that uh, Shatner was 51 when the show started. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Wow. So that's us. We're, we're TJ Hooker's age now. Extra depressing. Oh my God! Well, I'm a Goldie. I'm so sorry for because there's nothing worse than just sleep that doesn't get you refreshed or oh, not the worse. right amount of sleep. I've never been refreshed. <laughs> <laughs> never once. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep trying to think of something, but the CBD gummy was really my uh, best. You know what? I'll, I'll try a CBD again. I'll but I don't want you to wake up you know. not knowing how to breathe because I know you do that. I know that's your reaction yeah, to like yeah. marijuana. But now I'm products. I'm I'm able to be calm through that because I'm like, eh, it's just your thing where you feel like you're gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no uh, big that's deal. just that old thing again. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, but if I have a good dream, I'll let you know. Yeah, please okay. let us update us on the news. podcast. <laughs> yeah, like, um, like Martin Luther King, he had a nice dream. Yes, yeah. he did. You'll have so one when of those he over. when I first heard that speech, he's like I. I had a dream. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, his was OK. Oh, oh, okay. OK. Yeah, that sounds that sounds good. Yeah. Well, first of all, yeah. Climbing oh, no. to that mountaintop would have been a nightmare for me. But he had a nice dream. Um, all right. Something that's a bad dream for us every week is Johnny jokes. OK. Um, you guys remember that Matt's joining for Johnny. I do. I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah, is about that what that. we're that's, doing first or what are we yeah, doing? Yeah, we should you guys. do that. We let's do, do that. Let's get that out of the way. It's like showing our dicks first. So <laughs> <laughs> <in> the locker <laughs> room. <laughs> All right. Well, folks, friends, we're here today with uh, a writer and comedian who has guts, who has courage. <laughs> and I say that about the v- the very select few who agree to do Johnny jokes with us. Matt Goldich is here today and he's going to do them with us. So without further ado, let's get in to Johnny jokes. Whoa, from Hollywood in New York City, here's Johnny's. All right, here we go. Three rounds of Johnny's today. So let's hustle through them. Here we go. Vladimir Putin has reportedly found love with a 39-year-old woman whose job is censoring online criticism of the Russian leader. Uh, The two hope to spend more quality time together, but she is so busy at work. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Lucky start there. Uh, Jordan Spieth, golfer Jordan Spieth, was disqualified from the Genesis Open last week after he signed a wrong score on his card. Stunned tournament organizers were left speedless. <laughs> I knew it was either going to be speed or there was something in the air tonight or a studio Genesis. I knew it was going one of two ways. Yeah, you were. You should have uh, just stopped at speedless. I don't go. I, I go one level deep. Uh, Greece. Greece has officially legalized same-sex marriage. Uh, experts feel this is great news for Zuko and Kaniki. <laughs> Zuko and Kaniki from the show Greece. Okay. And finally for me, thank God, industry insiders are reporting that Paramount Plus and Peacock may be merging into one streaming service. Well, that could be fun. Uh, coming home and asking the missus if she wants to mount cock and chill. <laughs> Johnny <All> too. Right. <laughs> Get me out All of right. this. Well, here we go. <laughs> this week, Donald Trump unveiled a new line of sneakers. Wow. Imagine being able to run as fast and jump as high as Donald Trump. <laughs> Get in line. The shoes feature his exclusive no money back guarantee. <laughs> uh, Trump says the shoes are perfect for any court. Basketball, tennis, legal. Yeah. <laughs> and if you normally wear a 10, order a five because the sizes are inflated. Yes. <laughs> Trump says if you want a pair, just go online. Place your order in your cart. Don't worry about entering your credit card. Mexico will pay for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Good run. Yeah. Wow. Good run. Also, last week, 
Donald Trump was ordered to pay over $350 million for fraudulently overstating his worth to banks. Trump complains the giant settlement has left him without a diaper to piss in. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Walmart. You saw this. Walmart, giant retailer, is buying the TV manufacturer Vizio. Uh, Walmart will spend the first week excited, then the next three years wishing they just bought Sony. (laughs) 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 And lastly, uh, Tiger Woods has unveiled a new line of fashion. Tiger's clothes are perfect whether you're in the office, on the golf course, or just casually crashing your car. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We got there. Johnny three. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? We're ready. Yes. Okay. Uh, President Biden told reporters recently that he, I got to get the the voice, right? I got to do the voice. Okay. I love it. All right. Uh, President Biden told reporters recently he is pushing for a pause in the fighting between Israel and Hamas for about six weeks, six weeks or about as long as it takes him to walk to the podium. (laughs) (laughs) Not young. (laughs) Keeping with the Biden, the White House, the White House hosted an event recently in honor of Black History Month for descendants of civil rights leaders like Booker T. Washington and Malcolm X. That's right. They they met with Malcolm XI and Malcolm XII. <laughs> Good hold. Good hold. Yeah. Uh, the uh, in sports news, the the Orlando Magic recently retired Shaquille O'Neal's number thirty two jersey. So now no other Magic player is allowed to shoot that free throw percentage. <laughs> okay, and finally. Yeah. Lawmakers in West Virginia are considering a new bill that would fine adults for smoking in a car with children. So if the cops catch you, just hand the cigarette to your kid. <laughs> I swear, officer, it was his. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was very good. Oh, excellent. Wow. Excellent. Excellent. Wow. That feels good. I love it. Yeah. I love it when when writers come and join us. Uh, yeah. Those are doing great. that. So it All right, we, just goes to show these jokes don't change much over time. <laughs> <laughs> they don't change as much as you think. You're right. Yeah. What worked for Carson will work yeah. today. Will uh, you give those jokes to your boss, Seth Myers? Oh, he already turned him down. I, <laughs> we got the reject. I wasn't going to write new jokes for you guys. <laughs> the reject. I love it. I love it. So yeah, we'll get into Seth, our good friend Seth Myers. We we we've talked to he's him on, on here before. So I listened friend. to the episode. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Did he mention you? No, sadly, uh-huh. he did sure? mention me on Howard Stern, which was very exciting when he was on Stern. Stern uh, said that he liked one of my jokes that I wrote, and Seth explained to him why it was bad, which was, <laughs> <laughs> it was a huge thrill. Because uh, we do, we do this segment called uh, I was actually shocked at how much Stern watches the show because most people just watch the closer look and that's it. Yeah. But Stern knew the segment, uh, the surprise inspection segment, where Seth basically trashes us for our horrible jokes that we yeah. write. Yeah. And yeah. he brought up a joke that I had written, and he said, "Now I think that's a good joke. Explain to me why that's bad." And Seth explained why it was bad. <laughs> oh, was, so that's when you get yeah. mentioned. I know. Yes, exactly. <laughs> But I was like, hey, I did well. I did one for, I was like, I know Seth likes me enough 
to get let me keep the job. So I'm not in trouble well, yeah. with him. That's fine. So <laughs> if I had to take one to compliment my joke out of the two, I would rather have Howard do it, right? Because that's sort of a little extra something. Right? I yeah. once wrote a joke for Craig Kilborn that made him so angry that he <laughs> he was like on air, he was like, where's Goldie? Where's Goldie? Can we bring him out? And I hid. But they couldn't find me. So I didn't oh, have to come out. But he was really mad. He was genuinely what, what, mad. What was it Because it, it was bad? Or why? I, it was a five questions with John Cleese. And one of the questions was, oh, no. Can I, like, do you mind if I call you Stretch? And then, like, the next three... <laughs> questions involved his nickname being stretch but it it didn't land and no and it, it just got worse and worse and he was like get, get goldie out here why, why, why would we call him stretch and i i just knew that like i knew that he'd be mad if he couldn't find me but he would be madder if he, if he had to then spend time engaging with me oh, right Right. As I explained why I thought it was funny to call John Cleese stretch. Yeah. Had, he not, had he not approved any of that beforehand or? I had you, talked, you him, talked into him into it. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had yeah. talked him into it. He didn't want to do it. And I said, no, it'll be funny. <laughs> it wasn't. I love that. I, I, I You know, it's uh, we 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 three have this in common. And Matt, you're doing it now. And we d- we didn't even give you the proper intro. We're talking with writer, comedian extraordinaire Matt Goldich, who is currently a writer on uh, Late Night with Seth Meyers, and has been for for some years at the top of his game. So we're we're thrilled to have you here with Thank us. You. But this this is something that the three of us have in common is working in not only late night, but the the the, the worst spot in late night, like the later hour. I would say the best spot. Yeah. yeah. Well, you have more. You have a little more freedom. Yeah. You can kind of just throw shit out there, like stretch, and see, <laughs> if, see if it sticks. But I loved that about Craig. Like, and and Goldie, we've talked about this several times. Goldie, not Goldich. Um, oh, that watching <laughs> Craig get angry about the comedy you present to him was so hilarious. Like, it gave me the church giggles you know like i just would uncontrollably laugh when he hated something that we had talked him into so i get that now matt for seth myers seth myers you know actually he got kind of annoyed when i called him i forget what like affable or you know yeah the first thing you did yeah the first thing i did as i called him i I don't think it was affable but it was a word like that and i think he's so sick of hearing that which i which i get but he does come he is an incredibly likable guy like you just you know you yeah. when you look at him and is there is there another side to it like working on the show where he can get frustrated in the way that like a Craig Kilborn or Craig Ferguson or Letterman or those kind of people or does he pretty much maintain like this like nice pleasant demeanor he he's so normal that it is off-putting i would yeah. say <laughs> yes it's like a 10 years you're waiting for the other shoe to drop and it never happens but uh no he's i mean not only a super nice guy to work for great boss but also often and almost always the best writer in the room so yeah instead of being the person who say you know i don't like this is the person who said you can say you know i'll fix this or i'll make this better or i'll i'll wow. change it myself but um, and a, and for sure, a straight shooter, um, you know, if something is not good or, or if you pitch something and he doesn't like it, it it's, uh, you know, he's not going to 
do it anyway just to make you feel good. I mean, right, it's still right. TV. You still have right. to do the things that you think are funny, but um, for sure is like very open and honest and just in, in general, um, you know, a, a great guy to work for, for sure. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. I mean, that's kind of what you you feel from him when you watch him perform, whether it was back on SNL or now on uh, the late night show. But you, so let's go back a little bit before that, because that's not your only experience in late night. You no. you were uh, on Letterman for a time, correct? I I did. I worked there for a year. That was my first. So I had written on, uh, you know, various cable shows, countdowns, game yeah. shows, Spike you know, the TV, sort of, Spike yes, TV. Oh, for sure. Spike and TV you were a stand up, I'm guessing. And then you. Yes. So yes. stand up came first and then writing. And I think we may have even crossed paths in the stand up world in New York when you were here. Um, at least you, Goldie, right? A little Briefly, bit. Briefly. I mean, when did you yeah. start? So I moved to New York in 2001 out of college. And I was uh, my first job. I was actually a page at NBC in the same building where I work now. I was a page um, as well. Yeah. Yeah. In New York. Yep. Yeah. What year was that? that yeah. So I was at two, I started it as I a page. Great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, I, I actually. I mean, I also started at such a weird time. I started in August of 2001. Uh, Yeah, three weeks into my uh, term as a page that, you know, that 9-11 happened and they canceled all of the tours. And then uh, after weeks, we finally come back into the building. And I think like the first or second day tours were back up someone sent tom brokaw anthrax and so they were like all right we're we're canceling the tours again we're canceling the tours again so they so it was a weird time i mean so were you working in the store or were you like we were show or we we were uh we were it was the ticket office you would sit in the office and you were like taking ticket requests for conan and i think it was rosie o'donnell at the time um and then eventually i got assigned to you know, the real glamour jobs were Conan desk and SNL yep. desk. Yeah, I, I had SNL desk. See, now that was the glamour job. <laughs> I got Conan audience and SNL audience, which was the oh, non glamour yeah. job. You were yeah. not dealing with any talent or production staff. You were dealing with That's the so audience stressful. members, the yeah. riffraff. But the plus side, the, the upside was you got to watch every Shit. taping of Conan and every taping of SNL in yeah. the studio. Yeah. And you uh, got to get your friends tickets, which was fun. And for SNL, you could go to the the you went to the taping and you were not allowed to go to the after party, but you were allowed to go to the after after party. Yes, so if you could funny. find somewhere to hang out for three plus hours between the end of the show from one to when the after after party started at 430, you could go. Now, I almost never went because even at age 21, I was like, I'm not staying up till 430 in the morning. (laughs) Can I I just interject here for a second? Because I hated being a page. Yeah. Uh, I thought people were largely monstrous to me. Uh, I was at the desk. I would say the audience coordinator might have been better than the SNL page desk because while some people were nice, others were monsters. Yeah, Uh, imagine that just didn't like it at all. I was invited to the after parties, went a couple times. Of course, you're like the lowest rung on the ladder. People treat you like shit at the after party. (laughs) So I have no good memories of that. Uh, I was giving tours and the person, once someone didn't show up for a tour and I was like, okay, they're in a bind. I'll take this tour. And it was that situation where 
every studio was closed because it's a live work environment. Yeah. So I wasn't able to go, here's Conan, here's SNL. So the people complained about the tour because they didn't get to see much. And then I got reprimanded for something beyond my control. I got screamed at when I had taken a tour that I was on my lunch hour just because I, and so I fucking hate the page program. (laughs) I just want to say that. Yeah. When, when you're at a low level job like that, it is very hard to separate. People don't treat you well. And then, they say things like you have a bad attitude and you're like, but yes. it does give you a bad attitude yeah. because they're I not didn't when I got here. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, it sours you. And then it, if with every job I've ever had, I mean, I've been fired a lot, but there's always the version <laughs> where it's their fault. They were assholes. They treated me like shit. And then there's always the things that I could have done differently where I'm like, oh, if only I had done that, you know, there's yeah. always that version yep. of it. And it's the same. I mean, the page program, I did make it to the end, I think, or at least, uh, um, yeah, so I it, it was a mixed experience for me. I made some good friends, but but it was not it never it didn't really launch anything for me. I wouldn't say. Yeah, uh, no, it can only launch something if you want to be in ad sales or some yeah, sort of news exactly corporate communications production. Yeah, 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 like if you want to be some um, NBC like yeah. mid level executive person who wears Banana yeah. Republic shirts and <laughs> you know, survives That's rounds hilarious. of layoffs by you know. <laughs> by undermining people above and below you <laughs> wow you've yeah. got this all figured out mapped out here <laughs> it sounds like you saw a lot it sounds yeah. like you really I did you actually, yeah. you actually, yeah. i did i mean the people who worked for lauren michaels were genuinely not all of them but some of them were super mean to me in a way i've never forgotten yeah mm-hmm. oh i could name them i know who you're yeah. talking oh, about me too yeah. um and it but yeah because we were all there at the same time i mean not all uh goldie and i were there at the same time I was an intern at SNL and then a year after that uh, writer's assistant. But the year that I was interning, um, they had me working the door of the SNL parties with oh, yeah. another young guy. That's and the I, security you want. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get the stoned, <laughs> long haired guy. You had like, long he, hair? Awesome. Oh, very long hair at the time. What? Yeah. Glorious, oh, luxurious he, long hair. You know, now that you remind me, I did have one experience at the final SNL after party of the year, I remember it was the first one. And this is, I, I was invited to the party because I'd worked the audience for every show that year. And I was invited at, as a guest to the party. And then later they said, every page actually has to work the party. And my oh. invite was rescinded. And I was told I had to work it, which uh, oh, that's, that's again, I don't know if power move or just, uh, you know, oversight. Far for the course. So it must be yeah. a sense of triumph, though, to be back in the building and walk past all that and now be working well, on a show. You must be nice to everyone, though, right? Because of it. it is. I mean, yeah, I try as much as possible to. I, I would say it's a, it's a generally a very nice environment to work in. Hopefully the pages feel that way, that they're being yeah. treated nicely. Um, but yeah, it was it was it it was a long circuitous route because it was, you know, I stopped I ended his page in two thousand two and then I came back in the building and started set twelve years later, twenty fourteen. So wow. um yeah, there was stand up, entry level writing jobs, best week ever on VH one, the original sure. version. And were you from, were you paneling or were you writing stuff for no, I was writing black and those I, people? It, I was writing for the uh, the panelists, uh, selecting jokes that the panelists uh, made. And then in the middle of my 
time there, they made a switch where they decided to change the format of the show from various panelists to a single host show hosted by Paul F. Tompkins, who was hilarious. Yes. But they it this was at a time where people still, you know, watched linear TV and they didn't really give the audience any warning that they were changing the format of the show. And it aired yeah. after um, For the Love of Ray J., Ray J's reality show, <laughs> oh which was a which was a pretty jarring transition, I think, for the audience from Ray J to Paul F. Tompkins. <laughs> it was very poorly handled. They really did not give it any chance to succeed. And I think people were kind of furious that the old way was gone, even though everybody loved Paul and thought he was hilarious. Um, but that was the job that got me when, when the switch happened to Paul F. Tompkins. The show's writing staff joined the union, joined the Writers Guild. And it was at a Writers Guild stand-up event that I met uh bill sheft who was a longtime writer at letterman yeah uh started uh communicating with him over email mostly just emailing back random sports trivia questions and then finally got up the curse to start sending him freelance jokes i had been free sending him freelance jokes to a couple other shows at the time and that was how i got hired ended up uh at letterman i sent some wow. jokes uh, awesome. to letterman that's yeah. great. So were you doing monologue or were you doing monologue and sketch? I have always been monologue. I've never trained in sketch. I've never learned how to write sketches. Any sketches I wrote were awful. Now I've been at Seth for almost 10 years and just through osmosis and hanging out with people who are brilliant sketch writers and trying and failing, I have written and gotten sketches and other bits in the show. Uh, and that's one of the fun things about our show is even though I'm a monologue writer, I do get to do other things. Um, but I was a monologue writer on uh, on Letterman, sure, for a year and maybe got one or two other bits in, but very short. I mean, if this was at a time later in the show where he wasn't really doing a ton of other things. I mean, bits. did you he meet would, him? Because I know famously like people yes. would work there years uh, and not see him. I met him once for 30 seconds. Wow. <laughs> very nice. Said thank you. Uh, but And it was only because Bill went out of my way to introduce me to him and, or went out of his way. It was like, you should meet Dave. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was later in the show. It was also, you know, at that point the show had been on a long time and it was very set in its ways. And I think the other, you know, odd thing was I did like Dave and I watched Dave, but I was younger and Conan was really my guy. Yeah. Uh, and so when people got, when I got started working there and people go, Oh, you must have your dream job. This is so exciting. I go, you know, I like Dave. I like Letterman. I'm happy it's, it's work. It's he's a legend. Um, it, it worked out that I got this great job. But um, and I certainly, you know, good got some jokes on that I liked and stuff. But but it was it was hard. It was a hard, uh, you know, it was a year, but it was hard. It yeah, now is the and I think I know the answer to this question because you just sort of alluded to it. But it, is the environment for you at uh, Seth Meyers? different like how how is it different for the writers of letterman and seth meyers like what what makes seth meyers kind of a, a more welcoming place well for one thing i've met him at least twice <laughs> right <laughs> double so that would be no i see him every day i interact with him every day you know you're more um you feel more engaged in what's going on in the show you know you have feel like you have a stake in it you want it to do well you uh, and, uh, there were at Letterman, a, a couple of writers, people like Joe Grossman, who would have an on-air presence, but not to the extent that we did. I mean, Seth really came from that weekend update background where 
you know, you bring on, you know, people, you bring on guests, right. you're interacting with people. And he sees his writers as sort of cast members. And so we've all gotten to be in stuff on the show. And that gives us a real sense of pride oh. and, you know, wanting to do well. And uh, and I've gotten to perform stand up on the show twice, which has been fun. I mean, we really feel more I, you feel more like part of the team. Um, and and then also beyond that. Letterman, I when I started there, the show, you know, he'd been on the air for 20 some years. You know, he'd been doing that show on CBS for 17 years. Now, Seth, I started four months after the show started. So I really was there for the formation of what the show is. And so I've someone been there. got fired four yeah, months. No, that's the no, 13 weeks. Actually, actually, that's that. I, you know what? Normally you would be 100 percent right. Uh, n- no, I was, I was the first writer. The whole original staff was still there. Okay. And I was the first writer that was added to the staff after the show already started. I think what they realized is they were short a monologue writer. And so they put out a call, thank God, because I had submitted a packet when Seth originally went on the air. that was, you know, sketches and guest bits, ideas, things I was not a, a specialist in. Now, when the packet went out, they said, we just need someone to submit 15 monologue jokes. And I was like, now you're talking. Now this is my area of expertise. So, and I had a friend, uh, a great, hilarious writer by the name of Andrew Law, who I'd worked with at the Jesselnik Offensive in in LA when I lived there. And he was a writer at Seth, an original writer, brilliant writer. And I, so I sent him literally like a hundred jokes. And I remember he picked 15 and he said, these are the 15 you should submit. And I submitted those 15. And I got an interview and and got hired literally to focus on monologue and later got to pitch and do other things, which was exciting. Was it so, weird cool. the first time you met him that you guys look kind of alike? <laughs> people have commented on that. And that. especially since the special came out, people have commented on the fact that, um, you know, oh, I must have gotten my, you know, whole persona from him or things like that. What? But uh, we do. I, I mean, I think it's. It's probably why I've survived 10 years, right? The fact that <laughs> yeah. I have a similar voice and a similar, I, I think, style to him. I think it's, I think it's maybe helped out, but yes. Um, but I, by the way, I also got that when I worked at Ellen. So <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you so who fun. else you get mistaken for, because you do yeah. have this look where you kind of look like a few people. Yeah, you could talented Mister Ripley a lot. I know, like I'm seeing Mark Maron. Yeah, you could marry people. Mark Maron. There's a British comedian I'm not too familiar with named Louis Theroux that people bring up a lot. I get that too. John Lennon, older older Asian women tend to say John Lennon a lot. Um, uh, No, I uh, I've gotten different people, but anytime it's anytime it's a goy, I'm thrilled. Yeah, that's that's a a win for us. That's a win for us. Yeah, Yeah. we'll take it. Yeah, Yeah, it's funny. People have sent me photos of Louis Theroux as well, who I hadn't heard of until I started getting these pictures, and they're like, "Oh, you look just like him." And I I think we can gather what the similarity is there yeah uh yeah i I, i've only seen pictures i'm not not really familiar with much of his comedy but yeah 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 well he looks like us apparently or we look like him i think he's a little older than we are so when you wind up on air on seth is that something that like has to come from him normally like he says because it's weird isn't it weird i always found uh i would play this weird kind of game of chicken on Kilborn where it's like I did like being on air but I didn't like to show I wanted to be on air because (laughs) then you're too ambitious and so then it kind of had to come from Craig or someone like maybe Goldie could do this and then I would kind of do this dance where I'd go 
Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm pretty busy with my yeah. writing. Don't make me sing. Goldie has to come on and be like, okay, guys, if you want me to come on, I'll come on. Yeah. And then I would do it. But of course, the whole time I was like, please put me on. <laughs> you know? I go through phase. I mean, I'm pretty minimal with putting myself in things. I mean, part of the reason is I really cannot play characters that are more than like an inch away from myself. I mean, I'm yeah, not there. We have a very talented a group of sketch performers who are yes. who can do that and i'm not one of those people i can basically play a version of myself uh right. and so people have a couple times have cast me as versions of myself um the one real recurring character i had was a conservative character uh where i played in this sketch called the conservative perspective where i played a conservative pundit who would sort of make fun of seth for being liberal and we did that four or five times um and then you know there a couple times there used to be a segment where Seth would bring on the monologue writers to defend their jokes and explain them why they were funny. And then later that switched to him just showing our pictures uh, <laughs> and making fun of us uh, for because I think he we were milking it too much. But then I started milking it again because I started showing up in the studio when he would make fun of me and then they would cut to me. Uh, <laughs> Which was fun. And then and then uh, I've been lucky enough to do uh, stand up twice on the show, which uh, once it, uh, I, both were times when I had something coming out that I wanted to promote and they were nice enough. And again, like I waited six and a half years between the two because uh, yeah. I'm just like, I don't want to be the guy who's constantly asking for favors or for things. Um, right. So oh, that's cool how that works. Now, yeah, where, nice where did you grow up? I grew up outside Philly. So I, I'm in, I'm a Philly sports fan and I have Philly pride, but I, I've never lived in the city as an adult past high school. So my, my parents still have a place in the suburbs, but I, you know, people ask me about the geography of things or where things are. And I'm completely clueless, even though I have, you know, 12 pieces of Eagles gear. It's very, it's an odd, uh, you know, I think Goldie and I are that way about Boston a little bit. Yeah, and I never really did. I I later went back and did a little stand up there, but I didn't start. Uh, I didn't start in stand up there. Where uh, so oh. you moved to New York, and when you turned, I 18. did a little bit in college. I went to Brown in Providence, and I did some stand up there. Uh, and then it, really in New York, I mean, it was for the first year. It was just bringer shows. I was. I mean, that was that was actually one nice thing about the Page program was there were fifty people yes. who wanted to go out like seven nights a week. Right. And so if you were doing a bringer show at Caroline's where you're getting 20 people to get on stage, yeah. you actually could get, you know, between them and my college friends who had moved to the city, it actually was doable, you know? So yeah, it was, cool. uh, yeah. So that, so, and bringer shows, which get a horrible rap, obviously um, for being a scam, which they are, but they do give you confidence when you're starting out as a standup because there's sort of a built-in, big audience of people who are excited to see you which is i, I just want to explain them. to the audience because yeah. a lot of people may not know what this is so basically what what is a bringer show was you're a starting comic there you go to see comedy and you assume everyone there is a professional comic which is yeah. not true a lot of <laughs> yeah. times what happens is there are certain people who the club owner manager will say if you can get 10 paying customers we'll give you 10 minutes and they're they're buying drinks or whatever so it's there are people who are just very bad comics who are somehow very good at convincing other people to see comedy shows <laughs> right, and they're yeah. able to like get a lot of spots out of this. I always found it mortifying. Yeah. To yeah. bring your friends or to what was to mortifying? To ask people yeah. to spend money to see yeah. me. 
Yep. Well, yes. Although, as as a starting comic, here are your choices, right? And the bringer is the least mortifying of the yes. choices because the other choices: a open mics, which are horrible. They are, you know, it's just literally a bunch of comics in a room, nobody laughing. It 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 ruins your confidence. It's you have to sit there for hours and hours. The other choice is barking on the street. Yeah. We have to oh, hand out flyers and get strangers did, right? to come in. At which I I mean I did it like. There was a Turkish restaurant I used to perform at in Times Square. We had to bark people in. And the only reason I ever did it was because there were certain ones where you had to bark a certain number of people in. But this one was by the hour where they would go, if you bark for an hour, you can you can uh, do the show. So I would go out there, bark for five minutes, and then I would go hide in the Virgin Megastore for 45 minutes <laughs> uh, and then bark yes, again I, for the last five. And I was like, oh, I barked for an hour, you know. And, uh, I, and that was how I, I got on stage. I ran the same yeah. scam. I mean, yeah. did you then, like – did you try to get past at club? Like what's been your experience with clubs in New York? Are you a regular at any of them or are you more on uh, shows and that's later? Of I did get past at some clubs, but early on again, the, the idea of hanging out and at a club and, and you know, which people are like, Oh, you got to hang out. You got, you got to hang out, you know? And I was just like, no, I found it much easier to do what all, what were called alt shows, but what were really bar shows where it would be a weekly show. You go, once you'd sit in the audience, you'd hang out and you'd say, hey, you know, I'd love to do the show sometime. And usually you'd email them and like a month or two later, they put you on. And again, some of the people there were doing, you know, alternative comedy, different types of things. And the rest of us were just stand up comedians who just couldn't get on at clubs. And so we were doing just regular comedy, but in bars and at produced shows. Um, the first, I mean, years and years in, I got past at the comic strip. And then it was really only, I sort of, you know, backwards my way into a lot of these places where I became, I was doing it long enough and I met enough people where without hanging out, I, you know, I get, but there's still not many clubs in New York that book me regularly. I did get past at the comedy cellar a couple of years ago, which was exciting. And I occasionally will go on there, which is what does that awesome. Mean? What do you mean by, I it means passed. you're a regular at the club. So you passed your audition and you can, oh, you can, Oh, uh, okay. Uh, I, you know, I never can. got past at a single club. Me I either. Stand yeah. up for like 15 years. There was not a single <laughs> no, it, club that once ever passed me. I, I oh, have passed, but then, and then so many times when I've passed the audition, six months later, the booker changes oh, yeah. and then you're on the out again. So you have no, it's all really a crapshoot. And even the places where I have passed an audition, half the time they stop emailing me the avails. You know, I don't even know what, you know, what's going on. So I, I've somehow managed to cobble together. And, and to be fair, I mean, like to me, you know, uh, I've never fully, I've always been a writer primarily, and I've never fully devoted myself to the stand-up lifestyle of like, okay, I'm going to go out seven nights a week, pound the pavement. It's interesting. I thought of something, Goldie, you said, I listened to the Seth episode and, uh, you were talking about how as a writer, it's hard, I'm paraphrasing, but, uh, it's hard to develop your voice as a comedian because you're so used to writing for other people that you, you never really finalize a, a single voice because you're, you're used to writing for other, other people. And I found that as well. And I guess the only difference between you and me is I, I didn't let not developing a voice stop me from continuing to perform. <laughs> but, so I, I'm still performing to this day, even Full though it never, it never, it never really happened for me. So, well, you, yeah. I mean, you, you talk about this at the beginning of your special really, is you say, you know, I, I could get up here and I want to talk about myself emotionally, but it doesn't work. Right. And that like, right. 
it's you know i always just found that there were people who started with money in the bank with the audience like a mike burbiglia like he would get on stage and the audience would have some kind of ownership over him and want to make sure he had a good experience up there and like yeah you know like like women in particular were like you know oh he's wonderful whereas like no one ever thought i was wonderful upon seeing me it was like okay that joke was funny i'll give it to you well that joke wasn't funny i won't give it to you, you know? right right it's joke by joke fighting yeah and i think yeah. we're the we're the sort of fighting in fallujah <laughs> comedy yeah. where it's oh, like it's it's fucking block to block man yeah house you to know? house yeah I don't know how to take the city at once. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm a joke teller as well. And the best I can do is sort of group a bunch of jokes together that sort of make sense together into a block of material about a topic. Um, and, you know, I, I've i been doing it 20 some years. And in that, I've probably have 12 or 14 years of experience spread out over 20 some years. And so, you know, eventually by that 10,000 hours, you sort of yes, get thinking that. good enough where you, you know, can get by. And I have, tend to. Have you tried experimenting with the more performative aspects and approaching it that way? Or did you never take acting classes and stage craft and that sort of thing? Never did. I sort of really. That was the other thing about my early time in New York is, you know, I really started right before the time where you could do everything, where somebody like Nick Kroll was yeah. doing stand up and UCB, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, and also people were like Aziz and, and Pete Holmes were doing stand up and also shooting and editing videos. You know, I never really got into any of that. I really was I was stand up and then I was TV jobs, which later became writing jobs. But so I never really, yeah, experimented too much with the, the performing aspect of it. Now that said, you know, for a five minute set on TV, I hammered it enough times where I go, okay, like here is a hand motion that works. Here's a body <laughs> contortion that works. Here is, a, you know, here's a thing that, you know, you can sort of now over an hour, you know, a guy telling jokes, can be exhausting and people and you've watched my special so i don't know but there are some people who oh they're great over an hour but boiling it down to five is tough now for me five is a perfect amount i can crush in five yeah 60 is where it gets to be a problem and that you know but uh i gotta ask you a question about specifically yeah. about stand-up on tv and specifically about specials i'm just curious whether this came up with you so the, i was on you know i did premium blend i did yeah, uh, i think one I did Kimmel. I think I did Kilborn. Um, what goes into the shirt choice Ooh. for these? And how much yes. did you agonize over it? And how much time did you spend in stores trying out looks and jackets for just that appearance? Now, this is a great question. And, <laughs> I, and the answer is this time I cheated. Because if you look back at my premium blend, uh, I remember I brought, they asked you to bring two shirts. And I brought like a black kind of club shirt and then there was somebody else in my episode. I think it was Brett Ernst who was, they were said he was also wearing a black shirt. Or maybe the other two guys were also wearing black shirts. They said, could you wear your backup? And my backup was a bright green button down that I bought in London, like on the street. And it was awful. It was way too big for me. And it's, it's humiliating. Uh, the, the, the Ferguson set that I did in 2013, the outfit was okay for the time. It's like a blazer and a shirt. It's, uh, but I, it looks ridiculous now. Now, with Seth, I have access to the wardrobe department. Yeah. Yeah, and they dress nice. me and they've dressed me for one and sketches. And this time they really helped me out. That that now the last time I did Seth, 
Seth was still wearing a suit. And so I uh, decided to wear a blazer and a, and a shirt to sort of dress up for the show. Now, now Seth dresses casually on the show. And so I just wore what, what we now call a shacket, with a, with a t- which is a, a shirt jacket with a T-shirt. And, oh, I thought that was I mean, the they, Shaquille O'Neal jacket. Yeah, yes. yeah, they'll retire yeah. that jacket. Yeah, exactly. It's, it goes to my ankles. Yeah, thirty-two uh, percent joke percentage. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, between my wife and the wardrobe department, I do an okay job of go. not looking Gave embarrassing. Her a shout out. And, and 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 if you watch my Craig Ferguson set, I really am holding the microphone right here the whole time, and I cannot bear to watch it to this day because of that. And so now I'm constantly, whenever I'm on TV, I'm constantly making sure that my the mic is at the right. Spot. Yeah, that's yeah, how you learn, that's, though. That's wise. Yeah, yeah. And, and I had a question because we like to, you know, on some episodes we uh, watch a particular uh, episode of television that we like, a pilot. We watch Frasier. You know, we watch Friends. Um, and Cheers. we like to point out jokes that we think are spotlight worthy, like, hey, that's a really funny joke. So I was hoping that we could prod you because I thought your opening joke of this special was fantastic. So oh, thank you. I, and I was wondering if we could get you to, to repeat that joke on the uh, for our listeners now about about the books. Um, because oh, I thought, the, oh that yeah, was, that was so funny to me. And I was just, as I watched it, I was like, that is just, that's just a great joke. So thank you. Yes. Well, so that came from literally, I think it started as a tweet and which is how a lot of my standup uh, oh, jokes cool. came back when yeah. Twitter, you know, was something yeah. and, you know, I, but, I, but there was a period of time, a long period of time, several years where I was basically using Twitter as my comedy notebook. And if a, it, it was sort of a premise that would hit. And, you know, or gain some traction and then you would sort of maybe develop it or add a punchline on stage. Yeah, so the idea right. being that, you know, that the idea of ban- books being banned in schools is crazy. And when I say when I was a kid in school, if there was a book they did not want us to read, they would just assign it to us. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. And then we wouldn't read it. And when you hit on something that is that simple, that where y- you go, you part of you's going somebody had to have said that right like it's yeah. like yeah. it's the, it was the easiest <laughs> most simple thought i've ever had and then yes. when you realize you're the only one and then you can kind of build a couple of uh uh tags onto it one being you know i never i i didn't even know to kill a mockingbird was making me too woke i never made it past the first 10 pages right and that's right. A, and that's an interesting uh line because i will tweak that because if i'm in front of a more not conservative, but like working class, you know, clubby audience. I will say, I didn't even know To Kill a Mockingbird was making me too woke. I never made it past the first 10 pages. And now right. if I'm in front of a more liberal uh, or, uh, you know, progressive audience, I will put air quotes around woke. So I will yeah. say, I didn't even know To Kill a Mockingbird was like making me too woke or whatever. I never yeah. made it past the first 10 pages. And then there's another tag, which probably started literally as just something I improvise on stage, which is to say, I don't even know if To Kill a Mockingbird is the right book for that joke. I never finished it. Right, yes. (laughs) And now, is is that true? I'm going to give you a tag. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give you a a test another tag for this. Okay, yeah. I mean, now that the specials I haven't read it. I assume the Mockingbird died at the end. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Super Goldie. That's good. Now, and it, don't yeah. give that away in the title. <laughs> <laughs> is that 
something that is true about your life because that also resonated with me when you're like i don't know i didn't finish it i had that feeling like oh yeah all these great classics that we were assigned like yeah. a lot of them i did not finish. you do look like a guy who finished it though i know yeah, you do no i mean look i <laughs> people will say that people people have commented that in youtube go yeah you don't look like the guys and they and it is interesting because they because they do say play to the top of your intelligence right as a comedian so they say if you look like a guy who's literate, who reads a lot of books. Um, now, I have two sides to me, which is, yes, I was a goody-goody in high school. I got good grades. I tried to do the work. I also have, since my first child was born nine years ago, I've probably finished like six books. I mean, yeah. I just don't read. Yeah. And I probably did finish To Kill a Mockingbird. Couldn't remember what it was about. Certainly read books for fun in high school, but there were definitely tons of books in high school where you get like 50 pages in and you go, this is boring as fuck. I'm never going to finish this. Like Return of the Native, I remember being assigned. Like, I don't even know what this is. Like, why Why do they have me reading this? Now, To Kill a Mockingbird just happens to be, I tried The Great Gatsby there. Didn't quite work. Um, you know, yeah. uh, oh, I, I finished Gatsby To Kill a Mockingbird. You, I, finished you... to kill, I, I did finish it. It's been 30 years and I couldn't tell you why it's called To Kill a Mockingbird. To this day, I have no idea why that's the title. You, I, I want to lead you into <laughs> this because you then segued to a great joke yeah. about movies and Song of the South. Do you want to just... Oh, that was funny. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting because I, I like to comment on what's going on in in the world. And I find that like absurdity or or is a good way in because you're not alienating anybody. You know, you're not... I don't want... You also don't want to come. I mean, it's people who watch closely know where I stand on things, but you don't sure. want to come off as preachy. Right. Um, and so, you know, I just thought it was hilarious that Disney World was getting rid of Splash Mountain because it's based on Song of the South, a racist movie. And it's like, oh, no, now my kids can't watch their favorite movie, Song of the South anymore. <laughs> That's canceled. As if anybody wants to watch Song of the but, you know, because it is the kind of thing where conservatives would complain like, oh, you can't say anything anymore. It's really, oh, really? You can't do this? And it's like, nobody's, it, it is the one where like, yeah. nobody was fighting for Song of the South. Like nobody <laughs> no. was like, no, our, no, really? My childhood <laughs> classic, you're taking it away? Uh, also, I don't know who even knew Splash Mountain was at all related to Song of the south i mean you'd have to you're not walking around disneyland with an almanac when you're yeah <laughs> no well, the, the the special was very funny i also like Thank how you you you, you <laughs> it's very much my my kind of joke which is that you had a great 9 12 after 9 11 yeah. you, you had a really good 9 12 <laughs> which that I, was I, the, the, yeah that was the page program that happened uh in yeah. the page program i was thinking of that when you said that earlier yeah 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 that's funny and so but so you you alluded to the fact that you know you've been doing stand up for for a number of years maybe not the seven nights a week thing but yeah this i i read about you and the internet never lies that you were uh voted one of the top five college comedians when you were coming out of brown so oh, yeah was that something like oh. what did that how did that happen and what did that do for you it happened because of a total fluke inside move. So uh, I uh, had a friend who is now actually a big writer director in Hollywood named Jared Stern, who uh, has written a lot of uh, movies and uh, wrote and directed the uh, the DC Super Pets movie. He does a lot in animation. I just so. watched that last night. 
it was very yeah. good it's good yeah, yeah. I, I went to see it i've seen it twice with my kid so uh he uh he was a, he did some stand-up with us at brown he's a couple years older than me and then he went to go work for this like you know one of these startup websites and they said and he told me we're going to tour the country we're going to go around to different campuses and we're going to have comedians college kids audition and we got a deal where the five funniest are going to go to the aspen comedy festival which at the time was Huge. with montreal the big comedy festival yeah so now i think my understanding of it is we were the only people that knew he was coming to campus <laughs> that knew they were coming to campus and so we when they came we had you know eight ten comedians out on the quad ready with their like five minutes I think the other people, you know, places they were just sort of showing up, like haranguing strangers off <laughs> of the uh, street and, and trying to get them to perform. So it ended up that three of the five comedians who went uh, to the Aspen Comedy Festival were named the five funniest were from our school because they literally had no other choices. Now, the oh other two, God. I think the other two are people that you guys both know. Oh, one was Nick Wagoner. No. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Who, who I don't think really ever did much stand-up, but really did use it to springboard into writing and animation. Yeah. Oh, I love him. And, and then the other, uh, who ended up being the winner, was Dan Levy. Not Dan Levy, but Dan Levy, who was 20 and was already, like, doing professional comedy That's in crazy. Boston at the time. Oh, he yeah. had, you know, Dan spiky <laughs> hair. Yeah, right? And he came and he was like... I mean, you can imagine what it's like to show up at this festival... And immediately there's like a much more polished version of yourself. (laughs) And you're sort of like, oh, fuck, I have no shot. Like, this is really, you know, I mean, uh, and I think, you know, I don't know what the, but very early on, I mean, he got like a, you know, a a hosting deal at MTV. He he was sort of um, very hot. And I sort of, Honestly, thank God, nothing really came of this for me because I my comedy. I mean, literally, I'm going to the Aspen Comedy Festival. I'm doing comedy for like the eighth time in my life in front of all right. these like network. Did you, you know, know them from? Did you know them from Brown? Did you say they went? They both went. No, to they Brown were the two non-Brown people. The oh, two I people see. Okay. From, from Brown were people who I don't think either of them really does stand up anymore. Okay. Um, one of them actually, uh, this woman uh, might be. She's. A, uh, I've seen her. I found her online. She's a say. She's a therapist of some kind, and I think she was on red table talk with will and jada she may be the most famous of any of us at this point um so um but uh so you know i i went there and i really i mean i i had no idea what i was doing i opened with a new joke you know i was i really was just so green and you know um i think there may have been people i you know a couple agents gave me their card and did they fly you you out or did you have to pay your own way yeah they flew us out they put us up i mean it was insane i mean it's cool you know, and, and I mean, part of the thing, what part of the, the excitement was, I I remember, you know, you'd go to a party and Steve Martin was there or something like that, or <laughs> you'd awesome. go to, and, and you're just trying to blend in and not famously, you know, or, fr- famously friendly, Steve Martin. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, or just getting to, you know, I had like an artist pass. So, I mean, you get to walk in and see any show you want, you know, and, yeah. and go, um, and that Seems was worth fun, it. But yeah. 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 So funny. Cause I went the year I went, I, I don't want to. I could go on for half an hour about this, but so <laughs> I saw the show that Mindy Kaling became famous from, which was this Matt Damon, Ben Affleck thing she did with a partner. Yes. And I was watching this and I was like, this is just awful. <laughs> not good at all. And I was like, I don't think these people have a future. And then the one thing that I was like, this is amazing was 
a documentary about prison football I somehow watched. And I was like, this is going to be huge. Yeah. 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 So you nailed just, it. Yeah, it just was like my barometer for what yeah. was good and what were. And I mean, this is like throughout my career. It's like I I, I have no – with no degree of accuracy can I predict what people will uh-huh. other than me will like. No, I'll, I'll tell you a story. I mean, when I started at Ellen – I was uh, sharing an office with a writer who had started two weeks before me and I had come from Letterman and it was his first writing job. Mm. And I remember thinking uh, this guy's so green. He's never going to make it. He's just not, this is not, it's not going to happen for him. I feel bad for him. And six months later I was fired (laughs) and he made it to the very end of Ellen as the head writer. So, I mean, (laughs) so uh, again, shows you what I know, right? Right. uh, (laughs) Right. And as a super nice, can I just underline shows you what I know could be the title for the next special. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good title. Now, now Matt, did you, um, was there a moment in your stand-up career where all of a sudden you found yourself, uh, sharing a bill with somebody really exciting and you were like, holy shit, I can't believe I'm on the same show as X. There were a couple of unbilled ones. One, I remember being at Stand Up New York many years ago and I was about to go on stage. And again, this is like one of these clubs where I never was really in, in, but I, I would do, pr- somehow you'd meet a guy who produced a show there and then you'd get on yeah, his lineup. I, I so, know Tim Davis. I know Tim Davis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and I was about to go on and Robin Williams walked in oh, and, he had a, yeah. and he had a six inch uh, Subway sub that he, in his hand. <laughs> oh, proud. <laughs> and they and they said, "Do you want to go on next?" And he said, "No, I'm going to eat my sub, uh, and I'll. Why don't you have the next guy go on, and then I'll go on?" And thank God, oh, thank because God. I went on, and that you know, imagine having to go on after him doing like an hour and a half of like you know, <laughs> you sub know, jokes. what he does. <laughs> put it put it this way: I, I will say with Rob, I mean, the crowd work was brilliant. the yeah. The written material. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I somebody saw else's. him live once, and I thought it was the best comedy experience I've. I, I he ever was. Had I mean, in it's insane. I, I mean, it, it was. It was wild to watch, and thank God I didn't have to go on after it. Yeah, um, yeah. And then I had another one again, another club where I was not really um, in too much, but I would do late night at the comic strip, and I remember I was about to go on. Uh, I was the last person on late night at like one in the morning, and there were maybe four or five people in the audience, and and then. Chappelle walked in and this was in the time the time when he was um had just basically gotten back from I you know he he had left the Chappelle show went to Africa and 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 came back and was sort of now just dipping his toe back in the water and I think I watched him do like three hours to like four people at one in the morning wow Um, which is one of the things where again like I one one in the morning I turned into a pumpkin but I was like I have to stay for this so that was wild I never I will say I've never one thing I never really got to do was like opening for a big comic until during the strike. uh, My friend uh, through a friend, I did get to open for Spade, David Spade at a casino in Niagara Falls, which was like by far the biggest show I've ever did, you know, probably 3000 people. And uh, it was great. I mean, he's so funny and it was an awesome show and a really fun experience. So that was that's, cool. To get to. That's great. You know, nice. it's funny. A couple of things uh, come up when you were telling this story, especially about the Robin yeah. Williams thing. We have a friend named Kevin Biggins, who's a very sure. funny. Yeah, you know him. A funny, funny writer and comedian. And uh, 
so he, he was just starting to do comedy and he invited uh, a bunch of us from work, I guess, to go see him out here in LA. I forget which club it was, but one of the, one of the two big ones here. And it was a bringer show. It was his, his bringer show to, so we were, you know, in the crowd for him and we had this lineup card of who was going to be on and like Kevin Biggins was next and we're all kind of getting excited. And at that exact moment, uh, Louis CK showed up and came on right before Biggins. So he had the experience that you were dreading where Louis (laughs) CK got up there. And this was before Louis CK was to be loathed. Right. Yeah. This was when he was absolutely revered at the top of his game. He came out, did at least a half an hour, was fucking Crash hilarious. And then our poor buddy, Kevin, <laughs> yeah. had to go up right after. So oh, that no. was its own form of comedy for the, the yeah. rest of us who enjoyed watching him squirm. Um, but the other thing you brought up about Stand Up New York, and it's interesting because it also involves Robin Williams, was our friend John Viner used to, uh, I think he was passed at Stand Up New York when when I certainly wasn't. And, and so he ha- sort of had an inside track there. And he told me, hey, come to Stand Up New York uh, tonight. I think there's going to be a cool show. And so what was happening was, uh, this was 97, I think. It was when Comic Relief was still a thing. And so Comic Relief was being recorded the next day. And so a bunch of the comics from Comic Relief came to stand up New York to perform. So it was just one after the other. And it, it was great because it really built, you know, it started with like Caroline Ray, who, you know, we all recognize and is like this known comedic quantity. And uh, w- she was hilarious. And then out comes Chris Rock and he's hilarious. Wow. Ray Romano follows him oh is unbelievable. And then Robin Williams. And like Goldie says, like, I I have a mixed thing with Robin Williams because I think I loved him as a kid. And then as I got to be like a cynical 20 something, I was kind of like, this guy sucks. But then seeing him do that stand up for an hour, I I totally agree with Goldie. I think it was the best experience I've ever had watching stand up. And, uh, you know, Goldie and I started doing stand up in that era where we went to the shittiest club in New York, this place, Gladys's, and that's that's where we were regulars and we had to bark in Times Square. But one of the people that would come there just to work his shit out every week was Jim Gaffigan. And it was before yeah. he had really exploded, but he was on the verge. And you talk about earlier, you know, you try to write a few jokes and kind of tie them together. I don't think there's anyone better at that than than Gaffigan. Like he used to come and do 12 minutes about bottled water, right. you know, and it all just worked so well. So were there people when you were developing as a comic where you looked at them and said, I want to be like that? I still don't have the patience for what Gaffigan does, where you go, you sit down, it's like, let me write every single thing I think of about bottled water. For me, it's yeah. like, let me coincidentally think about three different jokes about <laughs> bottled water and then <laughs> and then somehow Frankenstein them together into yep. like a chunk. But I've never I've never had that ability. Um, I mean, when I was starting out, you know, I liked everything. I mean, I loved the one liner guys, you know, I loved Dimitri. I for sure loved Jesselnick, who I later got to write for. I knew early on I was not going to be like a, you know, a Mark Marin, Janine sort of 
political or talking about, you know, personal, you know, I, I, I was a joke person. I, you know, right. um, and I mean, the person who I really, I look to who I, who really inspires me today more than anything is, is Roy Wood Jr. Who I think is so amazing, who he is, is funny. I'm, yeah. I mean, I just think his jokes are incredible. There, there are so many, I, I've taken a little bit from a lot of people, you know, but I've yeah. also, I mean, I mean, you know, watching Mulaney is, is, uh, incredible. You guys have had him on. I listened to that episode, you know, um, he begged to be on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was sort of the one where you go, Oh, I, you know, when I look at someone like Nick Kroll, I'm like, Oh, I can't do characters. So I could never do that. I can't do voices. So I could never do that. But with Mulaney, you're like, oh, maybe I could do that. And then you're like, no, no, I can't. <laughs> it's, he, he's, yeah. I mean, I watched, went back and watched his stuff, all of it again. And I mean, some of the premises are just incredible. Yeah. The, the thing about you'd have a school assembly. He does a whole thing about school assemblies. And then he's like, and then you would have an assembly the next day about your behavior at the first assembly, which was like, Oh my God. Like, yeah, I never noticed that. <laughs> He's absolutely right. And then he had the, the full rigmarole on that. And then, yeah. And now, Oh, Oh, hello. They bring Steve Martin up on stage. And in the moment, He's out dueling Steve Martin. Yeah. Oh yeah. For like, sure. He's a, he's a wizard. Yeah. He is. Yeah. He is. I mean that, that, that I, I show people who don't know Mulaney. I show them that salt and pepper diner uh, bit where he, he and his friend put on uh, Tom Jones. What's new pussycat yeah. like 15 times in a row on the jukebox. I just find that to be <laughs> a hysterical, but yeah, he's, he's great. It, 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 you're right though. Like, and, and I felt the same way. My, my, I had the realization, I feel like you were sort of on the precipice of this, but you resisted where I did stand up for three years and I had the realization, like, I'm not a stand up, I'm a writer. And right. the sooner I can get out of this and do that, the better. So what keeps you going with stand up? Because you are a successful writer, like you really don't have the need to do it, but you must have some kind of internal drive that, that keeps you going. I think the at you know when you're on stage that there's nothing sometimes you can get a really a real high from watching your material do well on TV for sure. The feeling of being on stage and doing well is it, it, that's what keeps you going really. I mean all this stuff the you know emailing to get spots or trying to track down or you know um I also really do I mean and this is part of what was so exciting coming back from the pandemic. I really do like going out and watching comedy. I like seeing it live. I feel like it, this is so, as somebody who just released a special, I feel like film standup does not convey how fun it is to watch comedy. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I do really enjoy seeing shows. I mean, but then the other thing is, you know, I've always had these late night writing jobs where you're writing things week to week or day to day. And then the normal thing that a person will be doing on the side would be writing scripts, writing pilots, writing script that's the kind of stuff that i've always found very very difficult and so for instance writing a screenplay or writing a pilot where nobody's agreed to pay for it or even read it and you're just doing it on spec in the hopes it may lead to something so for me to keep busy during the during the non time the hiatuses and the, the times when i'm not as busy at work the stand-up has always been the easiest thing to do to fill the holes the one thing i sort of know do know how to do Right. Um, and so because of that, um, I probably honestly 
there were years I probably should have been writing a screenplay instead of going and doing bar shows, you know, or whatever. Right. But for whatever reason, it became the the main side gig, the main side piece, if you will. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. And side now we've, we've mentioned it a few times. I think we should mention the uh, title. Your, your comedy special is called No Questions Asked. And uh, it is uh, on YouTube. Is it? Is it anywhere else that people can find it, or should they look on YouTube? They'll, they can well, find it on fucking YouTube, dude. Yeah. Well, but what do you mean anywhere else? I'm just saying YouTube. Like, it's I'm, everywhere. I'm, I'm saying people. Some people are more comfortable on the streamers. Don't yeah. give me that face. Well, you don't know, you don't know Boston either. Yeah. You gave me a uh, face. Is right. there anywhere else people should be getting their air? There <laughs> <laughs> There will be an album. There will be an album version uh, that comes out on on March eighth. Oh, cool. I don't know if this oh. will be out, but uh, that'll be on uh, all of the uh, audio platforms as well as hopefully SiriusXM. My last album, I did record one other album, so cool. which still gets a lot of play on SiriusXM. That was in twenty seventeen, and then the plan for this one was to record another album. I got a deal to record an album, oh, so and then cool. about three weeks beforehand, we decided, well, we're all we are going to have the audience there anyway. Why not bring in cameras? Why not film it and self-release oh. it? They tell me that a lot of comedians do this anyway now. They uh, release their specials on YouTube rather than... I mean, I think unless you can sell to Netflix or one of the big, big streamers, you know, yeah. you can sort of sell to these other places that platform your... Uh, yeah. You know, but I mean... Uh, you know, big comedians have had things on YouTube. I wish I could say I made the choice actively to be like them, but really it was more <laughs> just, it was the easiest thing and the only thing we did. And we've been, and I've been very pleased. I really, honestly, I knew people would see the Seth set because, you know, obviously late night with Seth Meyers has millions of YouTube followers. They, you yeah. know, they tweet things out from their accounts. And so I knew people would see that. I did not really have any expectation that anyone would watch the special Right. And mm. it, I mean, somehow people have. And, you know, again, it's not doing like Matt Reif numbers, but it is. <laughs> uh, but it's it's, it, you know, people have watched it and people That's have okay. said very nice things. And it's been very, uh, you know, um, pleasing. It's been, you know, very mm. rewarding. So, yeah. 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 Good. Well, hey, great answer. Glad I asked. Yes. <laughs> there was, and Goldie, yeah, you I, gave me a look earlier when I said we don't know Boston. Like, oh, I know Boston. You don't know Boston. What's happening? I don't know, Boston. <laughs> yeah, see, I knew it, and, but you gave me a look. It's Why? Been so long ago. I, I mean, I, how do you know? It's we're on a Zoom. I was maybe I was looking at JC. You don't know no, what I'm looking. I, you were looking you, at it was a direct response to. Yeah. I think Goldie and I don't know Boston the same way. You were like, eh, you, you went. I, I'm a fan of this show, and I I really uh -huh. don't want to be known as the episode that rips you guys apart. Oh no, <laughs> trust uh, me. No, this, no, no, this happens this weekly. Is... All right, okay. W e a k l y. Where else are you getting your water besides the sink? Oh, here we go. Yeah, a bottle like you brought up last week. So, okay, now let's not do this in front YouTube, of you. YouTube, YouTube. Um, let's talk a little bit about Ellen because obviously, you know, much has been made of Ellen. Uh, Ellen, you know, is, was a huge daytime presence, the biggest uh, for years. Did, did they have stand-ups come on Ellen? Did you look at her? No. <laughs> I I gotta say I will say coming coming from Letterman uh, I did I did have multiple meetings with Ellen every day so I want to so I want that on the record there you as, go as, uh, you know and that that's actually funny because you know this is a story I've told before but uh, and I can't believe I forgot to mention this but uh, you know obviously all this stuff came out about Ellen being a toxic work environment people asked me whether it was toxic. 
now I had come from working there at Letterman, where uh, Letterman, if you remember, went on the air and admitted that he had had uh, affairs, uh, sure. an affair with a member of his staff. That was on a Thursday. Friday, the next day was a rerun. And on the following Monday, he went out and did a whole monologue about his scandal. And that was my first day as a writer at Letterman. Oh, my wow. God. So, wow. uh, yeah, but so did you have to pitch? Did you have to pitch on a. No, on it's like, so funny. Here's all, a funny all, way to say you were blackmailed. No, all my jokes were about like Obama and stuff. And then <laughs> I, people were like, wow, that monologue was brilliant. Did you write it? And then I was like, oh, no, I didn't write any jokes about the boss's sex scandal on my first day. And and, and the, the head writer said, hey, we're not going to do any more jokes on that uh, after today. And I said, good, because I wasn't going to write any. <laughs> so, uh, but, but, you know, c- compared to that, I mean, if you, if you ask me if Ellen was toxic compared to that, no, it wasn't that was crazy like it can't right. you know so i mean but well, did i did you start uh, early on in ellen's tenure then? no i was there they've been on for maybe nine oh, years wow. and it was okay. i mean i'm just gonna take the the high road which is 100 percent completely true and say that it was not a good fit for me i okay, i really was not the right kind of writer for that show i think that yeah, they hired I me that. i maybe you know submitted a packet that they liked and i walked but and i had uh uh, I had come from Letterman and for sure I knew Ellen's stand up uh, and loved her stand up. Yeah, she's funny. Uh, uh, but I had I had barely ever watched her daytime talk show. I, I, I bet in her mind she would read a packet like yours and go like, this is what we should be doing. I want to mm-hmm. be funny. I want. And, and then immediately would do yeah. one and it wouldn't quite go over because it's daytime and it's the Morning, audience and it's yeah. different. And then it would be like, what are we doing with this guy? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I remember getting there. I remember, Oh, I, this is what I remember, which was getting the packet emailed to me. And then they said, uh, you, you know, and be like, Oh, I have to write a pack for the show. So I got to watch the show. So I watched the show and they did do a bit that day about it was when the Chilean miners were trapped underground. Yeah. And so I was like, I, 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 uh, I was like, oh, it's a topical late night show that happens to be on during the day. And I think that stuck in my head. And and then I realized much later, like after I've been there months and months of like pitching topical humor was like, no, it's not. That was a real just one off, very yeah. unusual day where they did do a joke about something that was in the news because it was like a silly short easy joke and i think i kept pitching things about stuff that was in the news and it was just they had to be like no they're not we don't talk about this um yeah and i and i and and again like you know many many things i could have done differently if i you know i think it you know yeah you could be pitching songs for her to dance to Oh my yeah, (laughs) and that that would have worked but i it's interesting that you sort of highlight this um this letterman ellen uh, comparison. Do you think that maybe like Ellen got kind of a bad rap just because of who she is more than what was actually going on? I mean, did Letterman get a pass because he's like a, a revered guy who had been there for years? And here's Ellen, who's, you know, a woman and oh, how dare she have attitude? I, Letterman for sure got a pass. I mean, I think part of the reason might be that Letterman's on camera persona was that of a jerk yes oh and and so when it was revealed that he had done some unsavory things people were not super surprised (laughs) they sort of said well that tracks yeah Yeah. (laughs) um i think that did help him i think um 
you know, I mean, the sad truth, you guys have worked in a lot of places. A lot of places are toxic work environments. It's yeah. a lot of places have their problems. It's very sad. And so when this stuff comes out, people are always shocked. And I go, I think that, that sadly, the more unusual environment is the one I have now where everyone's really nice and it's a great place to work. Yeah. I will say that with Seth Meyers, I know that um, working on SNL, a place of respite for me would be to walk across the hall and go hang out with Eli and the band there and just oh, like yeah. decompress and just like, cause the vibe on Seth Meyers is so friendly and laid back yet professional. Like I, yeah. I just, you must love working there. I, I, from, from top to bottom, everyone there's been, was always so kind and welcoming. Yes. And in fact, I'm glad you mentioned Eli and Seth Jabor from the H.E. Band yes. who gave me some music that I uh, used in my special. They, oh, so my my, my, uh, my walk on music and the uh, end credits music was they, they wrote. That's so cool. So, yeah. yeah. Shout out I to love them. those guys. Yeah. All right. Well, Matt, you've been incredibly generous with your time today. We appreciate it. Um, we love talking with you. And obviously we have, a, a you know, a lot of things in common. So that was very fun. But is there... Anything uh, coming up that you want to tell the folks about, or is it just kind of like go watch my my YouTube comedy it. special? If you can find no. YouTube, they should. All right. <laughs> if you go to HTTP. <laughs> oh, now you're no. joining in. <laughs> people should watch the special, and then people have asked me if I'm uh, if I'm going to tour. Yeah. And I, and I'm like, no, I think I think I'm going to retire. I don't know. I mean, it's done, right? I don't I don't know. I mean, I might, you know, if if you want if people want me to come to their city, I'll come. I, I you know, I'm not going to my wife, you know, I need to be home with my children. I, you know, I can't uh, be, uh, you know, but, uh, but we may please, need please. an opener when we do the podcast in Yemen, we'll call it. Yeah, that's right. Thank We're you. Appreciate it. Big yeah. Um, uh, no, no questions asked is the special. It's on YouTube. And uh, and and I think uh, subscribe to the to the Matt Goldich YouTube channel. Is the oh, other that's thing great. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like and subscribe. It really helps this channel, guys. Well, yeah. the the special is very funny. So I do recommend people, uh, our listeners, go out there and, and listen to it on YouTube, as pointed out. Um, but Matt, thank you so much for being thank here today. So it was a pleasure talking to you and meeting you virtually and uh, best of luck going forward. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was this was awesome. I'm a fan of the show, so this was great. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, man. Oh, wow. Matt, w w what a nice guy. He's so so great. fun talking to him. And we, we have so much in common with him. You know, yeah. it was it was great talking about uh, the nightmares and the fun of stand up and late night. Being in him. New York so, at the same time. And Matt, funny, funny comedy special on YouTube, as Goldie pointed out. <laughs> and uh, we love talking to him. But now let's get into a portion of the show we like to call Top 5. Top 5. Oh, we're beautiful. Uh, JC, this was you. Tell yes. us what we're doing. Top 5 conspiracy theories. Wait a minute. Who put you up to this? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. You know, for me, it was sort of like I didn't know what, what was really the order. They're all just weird. So. Yeah. My number five are chemtrails. Oh, overlap. Instant overlap. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I used to work with a guy on SNL right next to me. His name was Cause. Great guy. Convinced. Yep. If you were tired that day, he was like, oh, I saw a lot of the chemtrails up at Binghamton today. I'm like, yeah. what? So explain so, what they are. 
So when a plane releases the little jet smoke from behind its trail, people think that those are chemicals that can A, control the weather, control mind control, can it's just lots of things. And Mm -hmm. some people believe that there was a huge storm that was supposed to hit this Metallica concert in, in Russia. And then they used chemtrails to control the storm and push it away from this huge festival. I love that. I love that you have that detail. Yeah. Yes. Um, my number four, uh, Paul McCartney is a doppelganger. Double overlap. <laughs> <laughs> There's also one that people think uh, Avril Lavigne is a doppelganger, but yep. um, this was <laughs> um, number three. That the moon landing was faked. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It was. It was <laughs> awesome. Um, number two could have been number one. This is so talked about the JFK assassination, whether or not Triple it's Triple overlap. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and my number one yeah. is Flat Earth. Yeah. You know, that like, one's the funniest by yeah. far. <laughs> it's like, how? People really believe this. I know. It's funny because the the Flat Earthers uh, sent out a tweet that keeps <laughs> getting reposted, which is so funny. It, it said, "We there are millions of Flat Earthers around the globe. It was that <laughs> thing, and it was just like, you just debunked your own That's conspiracy hilarious. in That's the tweet. Amazing. All right, Goldie, go ahead. Uh, number five, COVID. And yes, everything around it from the origins to the vaccine. That's yeah. a great one fascinating yes number four malaysian air flight mh370 an airplane disappears yes where is it where is it (laughs) number three was michael jordan suspended for gambling yes oh i didn't know that's a good one i love that was his dad killed for it well yeah that's another uh number two bigfoot yeah, oh, great, great, great photo. One. I great believe in photo. Bigfoot. What a and, photo. Yeah. <laughs> that what looks like photo. me when I wake up to go to the bathroom <laughs> at 3 a.m. That's exactly what I'm doing. And number one, and we've talked about this on the podcast, but everything involving UFOs. Yes. I'm oh, on board for and yes. I will believe in. Yeah. And yes. I really want to see one. Area 51. Yeah, yeah you might. You might we see one. We should go to Area 51. Yeah, let's go storm it. Let's storm it. All right, I'll get through mine. Number here, a lot of overlap with JC. Number five, Paul McCartney dead. There you go. And I think some of the 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 way the 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 Beatles uh, cheekily played into it on their Abbey Road cover. Yes. Um, where one of the license plates on the car says twenty eight if. Which is like <laughs> right. how old Paul would have been if he were alive. If, right. And the way they're walking across the crosswalk, Paul's the only one barefoot. Ooh. And so people say like he's the body yes. and that John is the priest and Paul is the digger and whatever. So oh. I love that one. Yeah. Number four, this one is hysterical to me. Was <laughs> do you guys remember Pizzagate? Yes. Yes. That, oh that almost God. Made my what list. a debacle is Kilborn. I still believe say. that. Well, just this this whole notion that Democrats are, you know, blood drinking pedophiles <laughs> and that ordering a pizza was their code for like, hey, we want to order young boys to drink I had their pizza blood. Last night. And they believed that it was happening 
underneath this one specific pizza restaurant so some crazy guy like went and stormed it and like all that was down there was like old dough pizza boxes so that, that was great uh number three chemtrails jc i love go. that we have a similar experience i have a, a very good friend from high school um who never shut up about chemtrails yeah. and like totally had me uh believing it and like you know all the evergreen Listening. international that company they they say is kind of behind it um, number two, uh, 9-11, 9-11 yes. being an inside job yeah. is a really intriguing conspiracy that I think I did believe for a while, which sort of speaks to how much I hated Bush at the time and Cheney. Oh, yeah. And now, of course, we've talked about this on here. You look back at Bush as like this kind of like sweet guy, like we would, would kill to have him back now. <laughs> but like at the time, didn't like him, didn't trust him, thought that maybe it was true. But now I think that the, probably the more logical truth is that it was a terrorist attack, but the U.S. cynically saw it as an opportunity to launch this like two decade war. OK, right. and number one is JFK. You know, I think it's the one that has the most legs. And that's the one that I actually believe the most, although there is yeah. not one clear, you know, conspiracy, which makes it even more interesting because there are so many viable options. But I do believe that he was assassinated by our own right. government somehow. Yeah. Um, yes. That was fun. Fun yeah, thinking cool. about conspiracy theories, fun feeling crazy for a little while or more crazy. Uh, so next week is my top five. I think I want to do top five songs that are better than the movie they're in. Ooh. It sounds like so much work. I <laughs> know <laughs> you could probably Google that phrase, Goldie, and it'd be fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So that'll be next week. week. And uh, we usually end the show on a high note. But we haven't been recently, and I think it's been kind of freeing for us. Yeah. I actually so maybe... haven't heard anything that anyone missed. No, missed. no. <laughs> unless, right. unless they're going angry, they're getting angry in Yemen. We'll have to wait <laughs> to see how Yemen feels about Listen, it. Listen, I'll just say briefly, I'm loving the rain. It's just guilt-free showers, and an, another month we're not going to die in a fire. Yeah. So, there you go. Oh, that's a good that's, one. That can encompass all yeah. of our high notes. Yes, thank um, you. So, yeah, fun show today. Thank you, yes. too, as always, for being awesome. Thank, Thank all you. of you for listening, and we will talk to you again next week. That was fun. And it stops right now. the security you want. This happens weekly. W-E-A-K-L-Y. <laughs>